Welcome to the Intern Whisper, our show all about the future of work and innovation and, of course, internships. So today's guest is Anthony Hernandez. He's the founder and CEO of Amcor Media. And before we start, let's kick off our show with our Intern Whisper Tip of the Week for employers. Be sure to coordinate with your interns at the beginning when they start with you and you're onboarding them about how to dress, including Zoom calls and on site if your business is open to the public. So do you have casual Fridays? Do you want them to dress a certain way? How should they dress when meeting with your clients or your customers if you're inviting them into that environment? Remember, they're students, they're used to wearing you know, student clothing. So you've got to guide them and mentor them in that area. Tony, welcome to the Intro Whisper. Thank you so much. I'm Glad excited to, to have you. Yes. So Axel, go ahead, kick us off. Hello, so here is our first question. So what is your educational background and work history? So I have a long work history. Educational background was short. I actually have an associate's degree in something completely different from the, the field of, of uh, work that I've magnified in. I have a two-year degree as a paralegal. I don't think that's any different, Tony. <laughs> I think that is the most important thing you can have in media. Well, it's interesting because over my, you know, throughout my career, that knowledge of negotiating and contracts and things like that mm -hmm. became very extremely useful, actually, mm -hmm. in, in, the, in what I do. Yeah, you're protecting all type of intellectual property. So yes. I think that was the best degree ever for what it is that you do. Yes, it is. Yeah. But yeah, I, I, I started off, <clears throat> actually, I've been in media my whole life. I'm second generation. My, my, my dad and my mom were in media. So I, can, I usually tell people that I've been in media since I was in diapers. And literally, as far as I can remember, I remember sitting in a, as a guest you know, in television shows as a child, four years old. Oh, your parents were in, I guess, the entertainment industry or... Yes. Yeah. So my, my parents were in, in, in all facets of media. So they did television and radio and print, public relations, advertising. So here in the United States In in the United States and in Puerto Rico. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. I'm from Puerto Rico. Awesome. I'm yeah. half Puerto Rican. So I'm half as good as you are, I think. <laughs> um, so, but yeah, so my, my career started uh, very early. I did, you know, start as a driver for an advertising agency when I was 18 years old. And that was interesting because I got to see a lot of interesting things, both on the creative side and on the sales side. Since I grew up around a lot of the creative side, I sort of had that background and that foundation, but I had never really ventured into the sales side and marketing side. And so I was looking at, you know, these guys walking in with their suits and ties and, and very successful and they had the, the best cars. And, and I'm like, you know, I need to look into getting into the sales side of things. So I, that kind of stuck with me. Beyond that, I did some volunteer work for two years out of the country. I was in Mexico for a while. And then when I came back to the US, I started in school. Like I said, I pursued a degree in, in legal studies only because I thought I wanted to be a lawyer. And so I began the paralegal side so I can start interning with, with law firms, but it didn't pan out that way. Fate would have something else for me. When I came back from, from being out of the country, because I had been working in 
counseling people and mentoring people, uh, even at a young age, I was recruited by a mental health firm to help counsel at-risk young adults. Mm. And so I spent about three years doing that, uh, anywhere from substance abuse to depression counseling and so on and so forth. Even though I didn't have a degree in psychology, I did have the skill sets and I worked under the auspices of clinical psychologist in that facility. I'm going to jump in here because I think that that particular experience and background is really helpful during everything we went through this past year with COVID. But I would also think that it's really valuable with people in the entertainment industry because I think that they may struggle with maybe imposter syndrome, all kinds of things. Yes. I think I read that comedians are the ones that have the highest suicide rate. Yes. Yeah, that's that's true. They tend to project their dysfunctional life as humor to the audience and they use that as their fuel. So yeah, we have a lot of major entertainers like Robin Williams and things like that, that, you know, people like that, that yeah. lives yeah. to to depression. So. But yeah, so I, you know, I did that and had an opportunity to start working with, with my dad. He was running a print company at the time and they were printing a, a national magazine that was distributed in NASCAR races and formula one races. And so I actually started helping out on the creative side. So I was doing layout work and things like that and, and artwork for the magazine. And that was a really good experience. There was an opportunity. I'm going to ask another question. Yeah. NASCAR, did you ever drive one? No, but I'd love to. That's my uh, I would love to drive one. <laughs> it's on my bucket list. I have, I have way too many tickets to prove that I wanted to be. <laughs> but you know, you can go out to Disney and yeah. you can go and drive there. They'll let you do it yeah. on a real racetrack. And I think they let you do it even over at Daytona, right? Yeah, there's some tracks I'm familiar with. I actually have a relative that does race as a hobby. So I'm going to have to pitch with them and see what, what we can do. I there. think that would be <laughs> such fun to be in the pit with them yeah. also. So like, I don't know, get some pictures of those. There I want to see those. Yes. Be nice. Yeah. So, so for me, it was, you know, sort of a progressive, you know, step-by-step process in media and, and sort of carving my own way, even though I grew up around it and I was very familiar with it. I grew up a, around a lot of celebrities as a child, you know, I would spend my summer vacations in a television studio where they were videotaping telenovelas, the Spanish soap operas. <laughs> and that was a lot of fun, you know, and I got to see everything, the the BTS, you know, behind the scenes and <laughs> and and see these actors as real people. And and a lot of them were very, very nice to me. I was like 10 or 11 years old at the time and it was really fun. But fast forward, as I was uh, working in this, this particular print shop with this uh, national publication, one of my dad's colleagues came up to us and said, you know, there's a there's a niche here to start a newspaper in the area. Would you like to be, since you have writing skills and everything else, would you like to be part of the, the publishing team? I said, yeah, of course, I'd love to. And so so we, we launched something called Suncoast Post and it was in the West Coast of Florida and lasted for several years. You know, I was I debuted from the bottom and, and worked my way up, did a little bit of everything. And that's sort of my foray into advertising sales as well. And I was actually in the middle of, of doing a deal. We were, we were doing a, a sort of a trade deal with a, with a television station in Tampa, Florida. And the, the management called in the owner of the television station and they, 
they, they introduced him to me and they said, you know, there's something about you. We'd like to see if you, we could persuade you to come work for us. And so I was like, I didn't think about it, but that would be interesting. And so at that point I brought, you know, I jumped into broadcast sales and I immediately into television and, and radio sales. I started off in, in Spanish language media at that point, and I worked with uh, Telemundo mm. and with a Spanish. I was just about to ask what our companies yeah. did you, was it Telemundo, Univision? Yeah, so so it's interesting. So as it progressed, I, I started working there, and I, I worked in Spanish media at that point for about three years, and then there was an opportunity in what we call the general market, which is mainstream media, to come work for a, a bigger radio company. And so I worked, I, I made that jump and it was more mainstream, you know, English language mainstream. I worked uh, for a contemporary hit radio station and an easy listening station. And I also sold sports. So that was my, my big foray into sports at the time. And I enjoyed it a lot. It was a, a big, big career move for me because they actually promoted me very quickly within four months. I had a regional position. I guess they realized, you know, I had a lot of background and experience <laughs> propelled me forward and, you know, did very well there. The company I was working for, they sold out to a bigger competitor and I wasn't very keen about working with the bigger competitor. I won't say who they are right now, <laughs> but I... <laughs> Point, I made a decision. I said, you know, I, I don't know if I want to stay here. So I actually decided to start my own company at the time. And I found that there was a niche. And the niche was that, you know, especially in radio, the Spanish language radio at the time was lagging behind on sophistication and, and quality and everything else from, from some of the other mainstream radio broadcast operators. And so we said, okay, that's, that's a niche. So we created a, a syndication company and that meant, you know, we, we would produce radio content and audio content and distribute it to multiple stations around the country. And, and we started with, with zero and I started in my garage. And so within Were you playing just Spanish music, it was Spanish music primarily. Yes. And when we, when we, we actually put a, a countdown together of tropical music and we got our first sponsor ever. It was sponsored by Coca-Cola and it aired. Teach me that. Yes. Because like <laughs> that. Yes. And then it ended up being broadcasted in Bulgaria. I'm like, what? Bulgaria, but it paid. So it was good. <laughs> so apparently Latin music had an international appeal. And that company grew over a five-year span. It grew significantly, was able to, for the first time ever, go to Wall Street, raise money. That was interesting, a very, very educational experience in uh, finances, being a non-finance background person that I was, but I tried to surround myself with people that, that did understand it. And, you know, I was a quick learner. So I landed my big financing deal, a private equity firm based out of Washington, D.C., Broadcast Capital Inc. and their their speciality was investing in minority-led media companies, and mm -hmm. so the gentleman that invested, the principal in that fund, he became my mentor, my second mentor. My dad was my first mentor, my second mentor, and sort of helped me to graduate to a different level. He used to say that I was the next Alexander the Great, and he put in all the resources behind me and 
And so we had a, a pretty good run over five years. We, we actually went out and, and bought radio stations. We, we started building a network of our own and launched a, a television channel and everything else. Is this and, still all in Spanish? Yes, yes. Okay, so that is a very... Yeah, very... and so at that point, there was a big change in the marketplace and the market, you know, the media market was being affected heavily by, by what was going on at the time in the, in the marketplace from a financial standpoint. That's when the, the real estate market collapsed a few years ago and everything else. And so we knew that media was going to be next. So we immediately began a program to sell all the media properties and everything so I could return my money to the investors. So I consider it my, my first my first success and failure at the same time, which I, I learned a lot from that you have to fail forward. And so it was, it was interesting because psychologically it was, it was tough. You know, I, I had put my heart and soul into it. I, I was the last one to walk out of that office and it was an empty office. And, and, and so kind of hurt for a little bit, but at that point I ventured into talent management that was the most hideous mistake of my life. <laughs> so you don't mean like in HR, you mean managing the people I, that I, come on Yes, shows. yes, uh, entertainment, talent management. So, and I worked with several celebrities. One of them was a world famous astrologer, uh, television astrologer called Walter Mercado, which, you know, everybody and their grandmothers knew for many years and swore by- I know who that is, so. <laughs> Maybe your mom will know. Yeah. My mom or my grandparents probably Yes, know. absolutely. So I worked with him and, and, and by the way, I had known him my whole life, you know, because my dad was his publicist. So it was mm-hmm. to me because they said, you know, well, you're the next gen. So we need you to. <laughs> so I did that for a while, but it, it, it became so complicated. I felt like I was babysitting most of the time. Mm-hmm. So that's where that, that mental health training came into, into play because it seemed like I used it a lot and it was, it was quite interesting. So I, everybody that knew me said I, I had graduated from the school of carrying a giant needle and sort of deflating people's egos consistently. So that was a lot of fun. But from there, I actually jumped right back into syndication. A major radio talent had just walked away from, from their job with a major radio company. And they basically said, look, uh, we know that you're an expert and we need your help. Can you, can you help us? And so literally I'm like, I had already been sort of burned from the first time around. I said, well, I don't know, but if we're going to do it, we got to do it this way. And I kind of charted out a whole plan and they followed the plan and the show started in a very small market and ended up in all the major markets in Los Angeles, New York, and, and everywhere. It was very, very successful. And then we amplified our offerings at that point. And we built a network where, you know, major companies, major brands would come to me looking to be repurposed into Spanish language or Hispanic targeted media. And so at that point, you know, I I was representing CNN and I built a radio network for CNN that not only covered Spanish language radio in the U.S., but also throughout Latin America and Europe. So we were in 26 countries. In 18 months, we built a 800 plus radio station network in 26 countries for CNN. Oh, that's And then we did the same thing for Fox Deportes for Fox Sports in Spanish. And then once those things were out and, and people saw the what we were doing, the Associated Press came to us and said, hey, we want to do an experiment. We want, we want to work with you. So we started working with the with AP News, the Associated Press, 
And then shortly thereafter came NBC. And by the time we knew it in, in, in a couple of years, we had a pretty big stable of, of some of the best brands in, in media and entertainment. And so we built that to a certain degree. And at that point, once again, the market started shifting and changing. And there was this hard talk about streaming versus broadcasting and and you know that's the surgeons of Spotify and and the market was changing very quickly and at the time I felt that you know if we didn't make the necessary changes and adapt it that we would you know we would fail and so at that point I bought my partners out and so I sort of reconstructed a new company it was more fo focused on on uh, technology which was OI2 Media, and OI2 was, the whole focus was building technology that would help facilitate content distribution and licensing. So, and that's the precursor to Amcor, so which is the company that, that I manage now. So what does Amcor stand for? So Amcor actually is what came as a result of my father's name. So my father is Antonio Miguel, and so my dad was my mentor, and so we, we actually, launched that name shortly after my, my father passed away. He, he went through a long uh, battle with cancer. And, and so to memorialize that, you know, we, and to, to preserve his legacy, you know, we called it Amcor. So, so core for like corporation. Corporation, yeah. Yeah, that's nice because every time you say that name, you think of your dad. Yes, yeah. absolutely. I feel the same way. I, my youngest brother is not alive and my mom is not alive, but you know, there are things that when I wear something that they gave me, like these earrings belong to my mom. So when I, I think of my mom, and same with my brother. So they're, they're always with us. Yes. Yeah. 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 That's cool. Just curious, what kind of cancer? My mother died of leukemia. So my father started with they call small cell cancer in the mm -hmm. prostate, and then it just kind of spread. But it was an arduous battle. And it, and it happened. It actually, it, it actually, it, when it was detected, it was late. It, yeah. um, and then it just kind of progressed very quickly from there. Yeah. yeah. Well, well, he apparently has you and he is smiling upon you, I'm quite sure. So entertainment industry. I think of entertainment as not just music, of course, but you know, there's also TV shows. And I think that I've seen like a huge shift in what entertainment is. We have, you know, The Voice and we have America's Got Talent and then Naked and Afraid. There's been this real desire to look at people from a different way than, you know, on the major networks of how TV originally started. Do you see it continuing to do that? Because everybody is on YouTube wanting to be a star. Everybody is on TikTok wanting to be a star. That's correct. How, how, that did, how do you think people get their breaks now? So it's interesting because that's part of what Amcor's mission is, is, you know, we, we've actually sort of deconstructed what media has been and sort of are, have put it together in a way where we, we look at media from two, two perspectives, one from curated professional content, so right. to speak, and one like that is sitcoms, right, 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 scripted and and even unscripted as well, documentary style uh, production, but also user generated content is is a big 
component of media going forward. There's no question about it. In fact, some of the, the products that we will be launching as a company will actually include and engulf the common you know, consumer of our media to participate in as an extension to our news outlets and, and, and things like that. So there's going to be a lot of interactive, a lot of, it, it's going to be very immersive mm. in, in what we do going forward. So it's sports, it can be you know, documentaries, as you mentioned, it can be a whole lot of things, things that we're really used to consuming. Music, uh, all forms of entertainment, really. Yeah. You know, so. so the best part of being in these industries because it sounds like it's 24-7. To me... TV and everything is on 24-7, right? Right. So the best part. So for me, it's it's a natural passion because media, I see it as a, as a platform to influence people. Mm. It, I, I've always said even when I started my career that I, I consider media to be a responsibility. And a lot of times people forget that, but every time that you, you curate or you distribute a piece of content out there, it's going to impact somebody one way or another. It's either going to influence their opinion. It's going to influence their mood. It's going to steer them to make a decision. There's a lot of responsibility and you know, at, at times people forget how serious that responsibility can be, especially when you're reaching widespread audiences. That's I think that's deal. really interesting that you mentioned that, honestly, because I don't think people are thinking responsibly about it. And I applaud you for even sharing that as a, a, a concept for our listeners to mull over. So responsibility comes from, you know, the words that we choose. And you know how last year it was the deaths of George Floyd and so many others. And there were people that were live streaming uh, things that were going on right. from whether it was any of those riots that were happening where, you know, took down a, what was it, a, a Burger King, I yeah. think, in Georgia. And then we also have things where they stormed the Capitol. People are not thinking about that impact and right. the power of the media. Every time we put our words out there, they have an impact on somebody. Somebody's going to react to it. And so we have to always be careful how we say it. I am completely against censorship. I don't, I believe in the first amendment right, the freedom of speech, and I support that wholeheartedly. But I also believe that there are ways, and then there are ways. And so, you know, we can communicate our opinions. We can editorialize our views, we can do a lot of things like that without, you know, creating hate and havoc mm -hmm. or bullying for that matter, mm -hmm. you know, and unfortunately, social media has become sort of a stomping ground for bullying. And it's almost like nobody can say anything. And you have this, this cancel culture thing as well, which, you know, I don't, <laughs> I, I, I completely disagree with it. I think it's, it's what it is. It's another form of, of muting somebody and censoring, because I think if somebody feels a certain way or, or wants to express something, whether we agree with it or not, it's their right. And so every time I protect that person's rights to express themselves, I'm also guaranteeing that my rights are also protected. I agree with them or not. And, I, and I, I'll tell you, I don't agree with a lot of people out there in the public forum, but I'm like, okay, that's your expressed opinion. That's your point of view. I, I accept it. Thank you very much. This is mine. 
just so that you know. And it's, it's a matter of exchange and understanding, and maybe that's how you build, you know, commonality or or, or bridges of, of common understanding. But what's happening right now is you have polar opposites, and then you 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 know you have one side just bashing the other, and that that's an unproductive exercise, you know, especially when when you have a responsibility in media, you know. Mm -hmm. So where, where do we draw the line though? That's, that's still the interesting question because I was watching, I think it was like on 60 Minutes, they had somebody pretty high up in, you, in YouTube it was, this was a year ago, and they were interviewing them and how they had to be constantly monitoring what people are putting out on YouTube. And it can be depressing because they have people that are sexual predators, they have people that are ra true racists, and they have goals to really cause disruption in the country. So I feel like there is, as you said, a responsibility right. to, to draw the line in the sand someplace. Right, so from my point of view, so the, see I'm exercising my first amendment. Yeah. From my point of view, as long as, your words are not inciting an action to hurt someone else mm. or cause damage. That's that's one thing that's very important. The other side is as long as we're not using our forums to belittle or or start with name calling or or bullying whoever your oppo opposing view is. I think those are the two most important items that I would look at, you know, and how you draw the line. I think if you if you keep within within check on on that, then you you're okay. You know, as long as you're not motivating, you know, creating a mob to to go out and, and destroy what storm you know, the capital. Exact storm the capital or or you know, run through neighborhoods and burn half the town. I was actually in New York City when when the riots were going on and that was kind of interesting. So you talked about the ones from last year, right? Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah, exactly. About a year ago. Yeah. Okay. I thought you were talking about like in the past, because like I've heard stories of like New York. <laughs> yeah. No. No. I'm talking about like May of 2020. You know, and, okay. and so, and and the reality is that I understand that people are trying to make a political statement. I understand that there's some disadvantaged groups that are hurt that are continuously hurting, that need to vocalize their opinion. But once again, there are ways, and then there are ways. And, and we understand that perhaps some of the ways that have been carried out have not been as effective, but when we take it to those extremes, then and we're hurting other people, then you know that's, that's an issue. So we're violating other people's rights, we're destroying other people's property, we're destroying our, our nation's capital, that's, that those are, things that you know we don't want to be doing. We don't want to use our freedom of speech for that. But but expressing how we feel, whether somebody agrees to or not, nobody should be afraid to say what they feel, whether they're, you know, black, white, you know, Latino, Asian, gay, straight, whatever it is, they should be able to express themselves in the way that they feel they need to. But uh, as long as they are not inflicting on the rights of others, and they need to be respectful of that. So, I think that when you point that out, so I've actually gone to like different countries, and people don't realize it how sometimes they kind of overuse their rights here in the U.S. compared to places where I've I've had conversations 
people are like, oh, what do you what do you think is happening? I was like, well, I think what's happening is, you know, it's somewhat good, but it's also somewhat bad because when you go to other countries, you're not allowed to do that. You do that, there's a chance that you'll you'll like get into prison or maybe even executed. Who knows? So some people have, I think, like extended those rights. Like, okay, you're kind of going too far with this. My father, my father was Cuban. My father left Cuba when he was 14 years old because his family felt that he would be safer to grow outside of a communist regime. It just so happens that every single one of his peers that were left behind either were executed oh, wow. or they served 20 plus year sentences in jail from their youth, all because they were expressing themselves. And the way my dad was going, at, at, even at that age, at that young age, and the, some of the things that he was doing to cause sort of a revolution over there, he probably would have ended up being executed. So for me, the, the subject of, of freedom of speech and not muting people's point of views and opinions and feelings is very close to my heart. So, so I'm gonna switch to something, a different topic. Genre of music, what's your favorite one? Because I was thinking it's going to be Spanish because <laughs> spent all of your, a lot of your career. Yeah, it's it's funny, I spent a lot of my, most of my career because, you know, almost 70% of the U.S. Hispanic market is Mexican, but I don't really personally listen to Mexican music. I, you know, I, I, I'm familiar with it, but I don't enjoy it as thoroughly. Actually, two genres. So I like rock and I do like electronic music. So EDM, but you know, the softer kind too. So mm. the <laughs> music, you know. Yeah. Why is MCOR this considered the DNA of music? Oh yeah, that and was one of yours. Yeah. Yeah. So so MCOR was built on the premise of a technology to be able to sort of level the playing field for anybody that had an inkling to produce and distribute content that does not have access to the same channels of distribution of some of the major uh, financed outlets. So for example, if you produce a television pilot, your chances of getting that pilot, you know, pushed through and, and pushed into mainstream media would be, you know, a million to one, you know, so to speak. And so you have to go through what, what I call the gatekeepers, which is, you know, Sony Pictures and Warner Brothers and Universal and those are the big uh, gatekeepers, I call them. And not everybody has those opportunities. So the platform that we actually built, the technology we invested in, what it does, it allows individual content producers, whether it's small, medium, or large outfits that are independent, having the same access to all the media outlets and publish to them directly and cut deals with them. And it takes care of everything A to Z from, from legal to, to all the engineering and, and all the distribution. And so... So we were very excited about that. And so we we feel that that, you know, and, and our DNA model is interesting because the DNA model is, is a sort of a multicast model. So we believe that today's consumer is actually, you know, consuming media from, from different channels, different, different platforms, but it all transpires and, and goes straight to the direct consumer. And so that's our model, you know, at, at the epicenter of our, of our model and that DNA is the direct to consumer play for us as a company. And so we have different access channels to get to that 
particular individual. This is more video though, right? It's a combination of video and audio. So it's, it's both. And for us, it's, it's, you know, there's a big convergence between video and audio. In fact, some of the things that we will be doing in the future, in the near future, will actually influence both media outlets, both video and audio. So this is an audio show, but we also play it on YouTube. Correct. We're not talking about companies that are small like myself and my own podcast. I think Podbean is who I distribute through. Mm -hmm. You're talking about those kind of companies, I think, more, right? That's the size of the customer that would work. you would work with? All kinds of sizes. I mean, we, we, right now we're getting approaches from, from companies all over the world because the, what we're getting ready to do is uh, language agnostic, it is you know, geography agnostic. There is no limits and there's all kinds of, of companies of all sizes. I mean, mm-hmm. we've had small companies that will produce one show and we have companies that have an entire library of thousands of content offerings that they're looking to place into mainstream media and uh, distribute. Yeah. The one thing that I would say COVID really taught is that everybody was watching Netflix and those channels, Netflix, you know, whatever it was, Disney Plus, they all spiked like overnight, just like Zoom did. Right. And, and that, you know, and and there's been a, a, an evolution of, of how the consumer is digesting media, you know, in these days, you know, there's been a, a, a move away from, from linear, what we call linear media, which is into uh, more of an on-demand model. So the the consumer today is like, you know, I, I like to consume media how I want it, on when, my phone, when I want it, tablet. the way I want it. Yeah. And so, so that, you know, being sensitive to that was a key for our business model going forward. Hmm. That's very, very interesting. Well, then now we're going to go ahead and take a break. <laughs> So we will acknowledge our sponsor. The Intern Whisperer is brought to you by Cat5 Studios, who help you create games and videos for your training and marketing needs that are out of this world. Visit Cat5 Studios for more information to learn how Cat5 Studios can help your business. Thank you, Cat5 Studios. All right, so we are back to our show. It's all about internships, sharing your internship story, and what does the job and the industries look like? Because you know what, Tony? I think schools prepare people for like now, they aren't preparing them for five to 10 years from now. So what is, what I think should really be taught is when you're looking at a career, are you going to be a lawyer? If so, what would a lawyer's job be 10 years from now? And I think, again, the thing that we learned from COVID is everything is online. People like to do everything online and it just accelerated it even more so, whether it was school, consuming, you know, your content, it was yoga classes, it was everything that you could think of shopping online. So food, shopping, everything. Yeah, we we don't have to literally move from our spot and we can have everything we want. (laughs) Yeah, at the palm of our hands. Almost everything we want, because what we I think that a lot of people came to realize is, yes, we're made for relationship, but when you cannot go and have relationships with people and you're having to stay in place, then all of a sudden, different perspective of what freedom is because the screen, whatever it is that you're consuming, digesting, as you said, that is your new friend, but it doesn't really fulfill like people do. Right, so now you're gonna see 
I anticipate a, a big explosion in a lot of uh, experiences. You know, there, you know, I think live events, anything that that's interactive, that's immersive, you're going to see a lot of that coming out now. Mm -hmm. You know, people may may have taken it for granted. Now they won't. So. Yeah, the ability to go to football games, baseball games, being able to go to a play, a concert, all of those are something that's really important and you want to be able to sit next to people right. you know we complained about it before but now we're going oh let me have that back exactly that is really really good <laughs> so did you manage any interns what was that like because we're going to go back to that future conversation but we'll finish this one first yeah um of course yeah over the over the years i've had you know various people have worked with us and 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 what i've done is more than manage sort of took a role of mentorship and, That's good. and helping them to, to understand some of the skills that they should be focusing on uh, based on, on their areas of proficiency. And, you know, having that knowledge of the industry, I was able to help direct some of these people in the right, and, you know, put them in, a, in, the, in the right direction. I, you know, I've worked with people that uh, I, you know, this one girl, that I knew she started off as a receptionist at the television station. And by the time I was done with her, she was actually an anchor in one of the major television oh, stations awesome. wow. in the marketplace. And so, so I've had an opportunity to, to encourage, to, to help direct, to, you know, sort of create a, you know, a, a pathway mm -hmm. for some of these people to, 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 to follow and, and to develop in their careers. So I'm going to ask a question for Axel that he may, he doesn't know I'm going to ask. So Axel wants to be an actor. And one of the things that I told him to do is go down to the improv theater here and they have free classes. And I said, go, go take a class, see if it's really what you want to do. And he thinks he wants to do that. I think it would be beneficial for him to talk with people that are in that industry because we, we were talking with somebody else and they had said, you know, this can take, 10 years, 20 years. And if I think about like Ellen DeGeneres and, and just comedians, Howie Mandel, you know, and it does, before you reach this place, you've put 10, 20 years in there. Axel, is there some question that you would like to ask? Because he's worked with people. So I was going to ask, have you ever worked with any actors or, or people in music? Well, I said Telemundo, so I'm going to say yes. <laughs> <laughs> and I've actually not worked and grew up around actors my whole life. So I've, I've seen, you know, and I've seen a lot of them develop into major stars over the years and, and you know, go on to big and better things. So, but what's your question? <laughs> my question oh. is, how does he break in? But I don't know. What oh, well, I, I mean, it's, it's funny that you say that because I'm, I'm actually getting like, right now what I'm, what I'm doing, I'm like doing extra work. So like, I'm like doing extra. So I've actually been like, submitting stuff and I've been actually getting like answers back like to, today I just got an email of like hey we would love for you to be an extra for this I'm actually gonna be an extra uh in the next couple of weeks which I won't be be able on the show because I'll be doing that so I'll be doing that but as far as like doing like actual like speaking roles I I actually someone reached out to me about doing a speaking role that I'm going to audition for uh, at the end of this month, actually. So that's something that I haven't done yet, do, do like an actual speaking. 
And I've been looking up like how to like practice it and just get better at it because there's a short amount of time that you have whenever you try to portray a character. That's something that I've been like looking it up because I don't I don't have money to take classes yet, which hopefully I will start doing that once I start working within the end of this year or the beginning of next year, start taking acting classes so that I could start getting into speaking roles because that's something that I want to do. Do you like memorizing? Huh? Do you like memorizing? I have good memorization. Because I don't. And and so that's why I never really busted into acting when I I could have and should (laughs) have. So I'll tell you, there's so many resources now to help, you know, put yourself out there. I mean, there's even websites. I don't know if you ever heard of like Backstage. Yeah. You know. Backstage, Actors Access. Yeah. So there's, there's a lot of resources like that. But also, you know, even social media, if you if you write like your own like short skits and things like that and and, and record yourself and produce it, especially now that you you know in, in, as you're in this program mm-hmm. school and, and learning to edit and things like that, you might be able to to put together your sort of your own short content and use that also when you're trying to get exposure with these particular roles, because they'll see you in different, you know, capacities. And so yeah. Think about you know how you want to be seen as an actor and and use those platforms to be able to showcase your talent. You know, I mean, last year I guess American Idol, for example, on the music side of of, of things, most there there was no in person auditions, so people were basically recording their videos, submissions at home, singing yeah. guitars or whatever they're doing, and and so that's kind of like what I'm what I'm talking about, but it doesn't ha- it doesn't happen overnight, right? A lot of people, no, of course. A lot of people, so, and I'll give you a little bit of story, not related to acting per se, but, you know, I'm sure you've heard of this, this great performer called Shakira that last year, (laughs) then the uh, the Super Bowl. So I've known Shakira since she was like 16 years old when she started playing, you know, and, and uh, performing and she had her debut album as a teenager. She wrote her own songs, did everything else. She was becoming very famous in, in like South America and then started, you know, sort of getting into the Hispanic market in the U.S. and, and had her niche. People loved her music. She was really talented, you know, from very young, but she didn't speak English. She had limitations. And, and so it was interesting because somebody mentored her. You know, I'm sure you've heard of the names Emilio and Gloria Stefan. They were very big. Yeah. In- the Hispanic industry and performers as well, they mentored Shakira. In fact, Gloria Stefan personally taught Shakira how to speak English. And so there was this big Latin, it was uh, the Grammys, Mm. a big show in the Grammys several years ago. I think it was what, 2019, 18? No, actually, but much further back than that. It was like 2005, I think it was. 2004 or five and and so that's when Shakira made her crossover debut into the Anglo market and started just pumping out music but it was interesting because when she came on stage first of all she changed her look she had when she was younger she had you know thick you know black hair and then she you know she dyed her hair blonde and then she had learned English and then she goes on on stage in the Grammys for the first time ever and does this dance with the belly dancing and the whole thing and everybody's going crazy going who is this She's a new artist. Where did she come from? Brand new. She wasn't brand new. She had been around for a long time and she built her career up to that point. 
And that's what we miss sometimes, you know, and especially in actors and in onstage performers, that people don't give credit for that trajectory that, and, and all these sacrifices they had to make over the, you know, a certain period of time to get there. Now, some people get a lucky break. There's no, no question about it. There is a little bit of luck in there as well, and, and some people have. But don't discount the fact that, you know, there's a lot of work ethic, a lot of effort. Yeah. Over, you know, it's funny that you say that because like a, a lot of the roles that I'm seeing are like non-paid and a lot of people are, are not like they don't want to do it. They're like, right. oh, it's not paid. But for me, I was like, you know what? Since I don't have any experience, I kind of have to do it. Right. Get exposure. Exactly. Like, I have to do it. Like no matter like the, the only good thing is that one, I get credit for it, which is going to be on my MBD. And then I'm getting fat. <laughs> Those are two things that I think. Are, I think are good because I'm not going to be paying for, you know, the, the food or whatever being like that. So I think at, at, the, at the end of the road, I think it will be beneficial for me. I'm just saying that. So I, I know the sacrifices because I have a cousin that, that's doing it. So, and, she, and she's told me personally, like, Axel, like, if you really want to do this, like, you're going to have to make, like, some sacrifices. And I'm talking about, like, you're probably going to work at probably, like, weird stuff just to, like, pay bills. It's like, yeah, I know. I know what I'm getting myself into. I, I wasn't, like, oh, let me just do it. Like, I've actually, like, looked into it and stuff like that. And I followed kind of, like, what she's doing as well throughout her career. So I was like, yeah, I kind of know what I'm getting into. Well, I'm going to go jump into that future now. Go back. <laughs> so... What do you think the future of media and broadcasting will look like, you know, 10 years, five years, 10 years from now? Because we know that we can have in our car alone, we can have music that's FM music from anywhere in the world. World. I actually don't subscribe to it, but it's Cirrus, right? Cirrus mm-hmm. XM. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we can have that. But in TV, when I say TV, I'm using the word very loosely. How would we be engaging with it? I think that there will be more ways that we can see if we can make it more virtual reality. And we're participating. We're like in that concert right there, like two years ago, three years ago, I went to a concert with Elton John. Best show ever. That man is amazing. The whole band, everybody else took breaks that's in his entourage, you know, the musicians. He, three hours, did not take a break to walk off the stage for nothing. Anyway, I could see being, instead of just watching it on whatever device I stream from, but can I actually be there and participate? I think it will be something like that. What do you think? So it it just kind of reminds me of a few years ago, I I did a presentation in Washington, D.C. in front of a group of government legislators and, and, and a lot of people in media, I was invited to be on a panel and I spoke about what the future of media looked like from that standpoint. And I told everybody that the future would be in the palm of your hand. Mm-hmm. You would have all the entertainment that you needed and wanted. And that when you would get home, you would somehow connect your device to your big screen in your home so you can continue consuming it. And everybody looked at me like I was completely insane. They thought I was crazy. And here we are. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm going to give you my forecast. I believe that the future of media will be very consumer interactive. Mm -hmm. So we're talking about 
a combination of augmented reality, mm -hmm. a combination of uh, virtual reality intertwined with, with scripted you know, content. So instead of just you know, watching a 2D vision uh, you know, uh, on the screen, you're gonna be I'll in. give you one. I'll give you one. Yeah. Um, I love Lucy. You know that scene where I, I think it's classic where she's making the chocolates mm -hmm. and then it starts going faster and faster. Right, right. Being in there and trying to, you know, <laughs> wrap it and right. do all of that. I think that would be it. That yeah, so it could be. And so there's gonna be a lot of you know, I, I think immersive experiences. So for example, I, I think you're gonna you're gonna see a big surge in in uh, in gaming as a mm -hmm. as a big component to to media going forward. So interactive you know, opportunities. So if you if you remember a movie that just that came out a few years ago called Ready Player One. Yes. Yes. So I think it's gonna be a lot like that, where you know, we're gonna have sort of our our avatar and our avatars could look like what we look like right now, or they could be, you know, something else, whatever we want to be on on screen. But we'll be able to actually join inside the media from our own point of view. So you know, maybe, you know, the future of, of Madden football on the, on the game console is going to be that we're, we're playing right next to Tom Brady <laughs> and, and we're throwing the ball, you know, or whatever it is. And so I think that's, that's what's coming next. It's, it's the, those immersive experiences where we're actually going to be inside the, the media yeah. itself. I agree. I, agree. I was going to take it even further with that of you being in the movie as well. Like, well, you. Yeah. You might be next to, you know, let's say like Tom Hanks or something like that. They're doing the part. Uh, I don't know if you've seen this movie called Hard Hardcore Henry. It's called where it's like a point of view type of film, and like like you're kind of the character, the character you see running around. And uh, I couldn't watch the whole thing because it kind of made me dizzy. I was like, Man, I can't watch this anymore. <laughs> but it could be something like that where like you like could be like, oh, okay, I'm actually a person that this this some guy is on playing and it could further open up into like classics as well like Forrest Gump or like any other movies I feel like that they could do that with some of the classics as well so imagine imagine you're watching Forrest Gump and he sits in the park bench and then you can actually yeah. run in the park bench next to him and watch him talk to you know whoever's sitting there with him you know I think that would be cool yeah so not a hologram but like really the like, feel like it's really that real yeah. person. That would be amazing. I think so. What do you think? I know that we have had uh, previously years back, Google Glass and being able to view things, you know, through just simple glasses. But I feel like there's going to be a place where it's going to be obviously wearable, but more so maybe even contacts that we would wear and we'd be able to see, see it directly through our eyes that way. Well, they've, they've already invented that technology. Really? So yeah, they have actually, yeah. actually have Google, I forgot what they call it, but they actually have a technology where it, it's actually interconnected with, with social Google media. Glass. Yeah. But the actual contacts. You oh, can actually, the, oh, the contacts you're talking about. Oh, okay. yeah. Yeah. they they actually have that technology and, and it's interconnected and you'll be able to see, you know, you know, everything. social media handles and everything. It's, it's very, very interactive. I think it's actually kind of crazy with the, to the extreme, but yeah, but even, you know, now there's, for example, there's the technology where you have these uh, full uh, jumpsuits. So you can jump into these uh, VR environments 
and actually you can feel you know if you're if you're playing for example if you're inside a game and you're playing a video game and and you know you're you're climbing a rock or something and you 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 can feel the pressure in your glove wow, that's crazy and and if you fall you actually get hurt you can feel you know the the, the you pain. know pain. the pain but the impact well wow, that's crazy <laughs> yeah and so so it, that technology is actually coming a long way, and I've actually seen some of that already. And and so some of that that's ready player under one simulation. Yes, but I, that's where it's going. I mean, we're, literally, it's it's how do we get completely immersed into our our media environment? And there'll be a blending of the the real world with with the virtual world to some degree. Mm, that would be really interesting. Okay, so something else that pulled up when I was researching this is that podcast hosts are gonna become the next set of influencers because obviously they're out there just like in news broadcasting, bringing people in and everyday people. And so right. it's just like what, what I do now. I've been doing my podcast, this is our fourth season. So four years we've been doing Yay. it. Yay. <laughs> Yay. Um, one of the things that, and Axel and Elizabeth don't know this, Elizabeth is the other associate producer she is in, she's in California, but she goes to school in Oregon. I was going to let her and Axel do a show without me participating. So I'd be interested in seeing what type of a show that they would put on where I, once a year, I let, you know, the interns take over the show, so to speak. And how would this show be different? How would it be better? So I'm throwing that one out there. I bet you're going to go and text Elizabeth as soon as we're done with this show. Yeah. And I, would, I, I would love to do it before I finish my internship, to be quite honest. Well, you're going to. Yeah. yeah you're going to. So it better be damn good. No <laughs> if it's not, then it's... It'll I still go up, but more. it's going to speak to your skills. That's yeah. 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 You want to be listening to all of this great mentoring advice from this next to me she's gonna throw you into the fire <laughs> yeah yeah I, I mean that's yeah. how that's how it is in the workforce like once you start working i I've, I've heard stories where yo once you start working boom they put you and you're like what yeah that word intern gives you a lot of mercy and grace right yes, yeah people go oh you're learning it's okay and then, <laughs> but you drop that word intern off and it's like what why don't you know this why were you late <laughs> this yeah that's when they drop the training wheels on your bike yeah yeah (laughs) so if they're becoming the next set of influencers i think that that's there but it's not just even podcasts you know we've seen this happen with you know youtube stars and you know everything that's in the gaming and not only that they're like five years old sometimes yes yeah you know but it's it's omni-channel now i think influencing is omni-channel podcasting is certainly one of the fastest growing areas of, of media right now. Mm-hmm. It really is. It's it's growing very, very fast. But you know, you have the the YouTube influencers, you have the Instagrammers, you have you know TikTokers, you know, yeah, yeah, there's so many different, you know, channels. And some some people have been able to effectively manage all of those platforms. You know, there's some people that actually, you know, like Gary V, for example, he's oh my God. a perfect example. He's of, amazing. 
the, the guys in my soup, you know, I, like I, you know, it's everywhere. He's everywhere, you know. Yeah. You know, I, I, he's in LinkedIn. He's in Instagram. He's in TikTok. He's in, you know, he's, he's everywhere. Definitely big on Twitter. And uh, yeah, he, and so he, what he's done is he's been able to to manage his brand and his content and sort of multicast it. So his 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 same content is everywhere, and they they tweak it a little bit to to the format. But for the most part, it's the same content, and it's every everywhere that you can possibly imagine and that you know makes him a omni you know omni-channel influencer so to speak so yeah well that that is really really cool too so the aside from that mentoring advice what is the best mentoring advice and I'm going to guess it's going to be something your father shared that you would like to pass on to our listeners don't be afraid mm. I, I I always say that uh, fear is the antithesis to hope and to, to faith, just have faith in yourself. If you have it in you and you feel that you do, don't be afraid. Just do it. Yeah. Don't be afraid. That is a good, a good piece of advice. Yeah. Because, you know, you, you can live with regret, maybe not. But, you know, the fact that you tried, yes, that is the thing that is always there. And fear will paralyze you. It could be discouraging sometimes. You may not get the role. You might not get the job. You may, there's a lot of things that may happen, but you know, it's like I, you know, mentioned earlier, you know, you have to fail forward. You have to keep moving forward. That's a book also. So is it a book? Oh, yeah. Is it a book? <laughs> it is a book. Sounds like a good book. <laughs> it is a really, really good book. Yeah. How can our listeners find you? What's your website? Are you on social channels? Because yeah. I love the fact of, you can tell us how many followers on LinkedIn. Yeah, so I have about 28,000 followers on LinkedIn, mainly media, entertainment, you know, celebrities. And so, he's yeah. pulling up your website, oh, okay. Corey. Yeah, oh, he that's is. what he's doing. And then uh, also, uh, and amcormedia.com as well. But I would say, you know, LinkedIn is probably the, the, the best place to, you know, to find me. A lot of people approach me all the time. And they ask me questions. I've had, I've had a lot of people ask me, can you help me mentor me with this, that, and the other? And, and I've done my best to give them advice. And so, yeah, so LinkedIn is, is to me, is one of my favorites. It is mine too. Industry. It yeah. is mine also, for sure. I mean, I'm on Instagram and all that stuff, but, but I, you know, for me, for, for this particular focus and LinkedIn always seems to be the one that resonates the best. Mm-hmm, so. mm-hmm. I like Twitter quite a bit. I picked LinkedIn first and then Twitter, but I think YouTube is third. I I don't know. TikTok, not so much. Not so much. Well, I want to tell you, thank you for being a guest on the show. My pleasure. Thank you so much for inviting me. Yeah. I'm really, really excited and I'm looking forward to other things that we're going to be working together on. That is super good, but that's that's, coming. (laughs) That is great things. Thanks for sharing his website, Axel. Now you know somebody famous, so I hope you go and connect with them on LinkedIn. Oh, yeah, I definitely will. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So I want to thank our associate producers, Axel Lopante, and also, and he's always going, whoo, whoo, whoo. Yeah. (laughs) Hello. Elizabeth, we have on our video and audio editing team is Steve Neese. Our video interns, Raymond Ahmad Khan. We have Berkeley Walgamot and Mitsari Rosales Vargas. So for any employers out there looking to work with interns, please visit us at internpursuit.tech. Learn how you can get matched with amazing talent. 
we're gonna say goodbye to everyone. Bye. 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 -bye. Bye.